Welcome to the Partnership Podcast. Training and education are important in any profession, and as independent funeral directors, you have the benefit of a virtual college which provides vocational training tailored to your work. The Independent Funeral Directors College, or IFD College, has been around for more than a quarter of a century and has evolved throughout that time. Today I'm speaking to Chris Parker, Chairman of the IFD College and its original Director of Education. Chris has also more than 30 years experience managing her family funeral director business and is a past National Safe President. And today we'll be discussing her years with the college and what its future holds. So Chris, nice to see you this morning. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Malcolm. Nice to see you too. Excellent. Well, look, um, we've got the opportunity to talk about the IFD, which is great because I know it's important. So I'm just thinking the IFD College has been around since 1995 and you've been a fundamental part of its development over the years. Can you talk about how you initially became involved? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, for a start, I can't believe it's 25 years and I really don't know where all those years (laughs) have gone. But they've been eventful um, and they've been challenging sometimes. Uh, I was present uh, at the launch of the college in 1995. How it had come about was was a handful of very well-meaning safe exec members who believed, as I do, uh, that vocational training should be available to everybody. Yeah. However, what was on offer was not training. Uh, It was, at best, talking heads. Mm -hmm. People would go along to um, what they called a training day and listen to somebody talk to them for an hour or so, and then go away with a certificate. Uh, There was absolutely no involvement by by the audience at all. And the only skills that were covered were car washing and coffin fitting, uh, as I recall, (laughs) um, with a little bit of information about basic health and safety. So when I was asked, I agreed to come on board as a trainer because I'd had previous experience of designing and delivering MVQ training. When I gave up clinical nursing, I think it was around the end of the 70s, I went to work for a college of further education in Tunbridge, um, uh, and I was training pre-nursing students. So these were these were youngsters who had come out of school at 16, but wanted to be nurses, and they completed a two-year uh, a two-year pre-nursing course. So my role at that time was to design NVQ training for these youngsters, uh, design the courses and deliver. Um, so, I'd, so I'd had a bit of experience in, in how these things should work. So I agreed to come on board, but only if I was allowed to literally take this thing by the throat, give it a good shaking and make it into something that was proper training. Wow. Uh, and the rest, as they say, is history. It's history. Goodness me. So I, I, I get the background bit in terms of the skills and competencies that you'd already acquired uh, in, in your previous life in, in nursing. But I, I guess in 95, did you think you'd still be involved 25 years later? I wasn't even sure that I'd still be alive, Malcolm. <laughs> well, you are and well. So. Well, I've done my three score year and 10. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly have. Okay, um, can you sort of talk us through what exactly the training covers today and what would you say are the college's core aims and, and how have they changed, do you think, in response to the market and, and what's happening? Okay, I think, I think that's probably best answered by looking at the evolution of the college first. 
25 years ago, the only training that was available was the NAFD diploma. Right, yeah. Uh, and, and back then, the, um, I think the NAFD and the BIFD were kind of working together. One organisation wrote the training, the other one delivered it. But it was only the, the diploma. Yeah. It wasn't then, and it isn't mm. now, appropriate for the vast number of people that work in this profession. Whilst it, and I, I would never talk in that, and it's a very good and, and, and very uh, complex training course. Yeah. But it's not appropriate for somebody who is a receptionist, somebody who's just, who's a funeral arranger, um, somebody who works two or three days a week driving the hearse and doing uh, moving uh, the deceased in, into care. And there was nothing, absolutely nothing for them. And I'm not being critical about what is a really good piece of education, but it's highly academic. It's not mm. practical and it's dependent on a final examination. From those first days when I began to write the MBQ modules, yeah. it covered all aspects. Uh, the training that we, we deliver is modular. Yes. If your job involves you in working in the coffin shop, making up coffins, and that's yeah. all you do, and you don't yeah. do anything else, then you can do the health and safety modules and you can do the, the modules about making up coffins. You know, if, if you're a funeral arranger, you need to know a, a, an awful lot more. So you would do those modules. So, And if, you, if you're somebody who is perhaps joined the family business and you're looking to take over and you need to know it all, mm-hmm. then you do them all. It means that, that people have the choice of what they do. But more importantly, employers aren't paying for training that's not required and not necessary. So, I mean, I think delivering on the promise of 25 years ago, which was training for everybody, yeah, I think we're there. Sounds um, like it. <laughs> um, so we can now offer six separate awards ranging from one to six modules. Yes. Um, and, and they range from one to four, level one to level four MVQ. Yeah. Um, the first four units have been around for the, for the whole of the 25 years. Yep. The fifth unit... Um, is the the child and infant deaths unit, which I wrote last year, or was it the year before now, actually? Um, And that was as a direct result of the Bonamy report. And I did that really because uh, one of the recommendations from the Bonamy report was that everybody involved in a child death needs to have appropriate training. Uh, And in fact, I've got one firm in Kent uh, who've been in touch with me only a fortnight ago who said, we've just got the contract to do all the baby funerals uh contract for the, for the baby you know moving wow. babies and um stillbirths and neonatal deaths yeah, yeah i need all my staff to do that course so yes we've, we've really moved on and i think and i think to be honest that that promise from day one it's still good sounds like it uh, yeah and you've got a comprehensive suite of modules now that cover the whole chain of delivery of services don't you Absolutely. And we've just had an approval from one awards uh, for a level four training, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be the funeral director award. Um, and that that really is going to equal, I won't say surpass because that would be very wrong, but it will certainly equal uh, what's being offered for, from the NFD and the BIFD as a diploma. So, yes. so we, we will be able, um, probably by the autumn, begin delivery of uh, an IFD diploma in funeral directing. Wow. Good news. 
And look, I, I did hear your update at the AGM yesterday. So just, just again, reflecting on the last 12 months. So how have you adapted and delivered during the pandemic? <laughs> well, like everybody else, I think uh, in every walk of life, it's been challenging. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm a firm believer in looking for good and positive outcomes from every situation. Uh, regardless of how negative that situation may appear to be. Um, And bizarrely, the pandemic um, has done us a huge favour because one of the things that we struggled with over all of our 25 years was the fact that we frequently had students who were in far-flung remote areas. Yeah. Um, And and they found it very difficult to access the face-to-face training, to attend a, a training day. And it was horribly expensive for us to send a trainer for perhaps just one student Um, we once had a situation some years ago now and I I think at that point we did a sharp intake breath Um, we had a student who had attended a face-to-face training in Scotland with Gavin Henshawood but then uh, because there was nobody to do any kind of assessment of his uh, practical work Gavin had to go to one of the islands which required a flight and an overnight accommodation and um and when i kind of worked out what did it cost the college i just went um we need to rethink this um so we we're now in the situation where we can all actually do an assessment virtually so somebody propping up a a mobile phone uh with zoom running uh in a mortuary i can watch them uh preparing somebody for viewing quite or making yeah. up a coffin so so it's done as well so it does mean now that we can people can access training wherever they are and we'll carry on we're not going to stop doing virtual training although yeah. we go back to the face-to-face bit we will carry on with the virtual training when this is over good quite right too um, okay, so what do you think the most important qualities and competencies a professional funeral arranger will need going forward? Uh, I think probably I can sum up in a word, and it's clarity. Um, right. I think being very clear when you're making funeral arrangements about what people are agreeing to, yeah, what it is they've ordered, and how much it will cost them. Mm. Honesty about prices. Uh, too many businesses encourage uh, clients to get come into their premises uh, with a promise of something that is very cheap. And then yeah. when they get there, um, you know, they oversell and, and people come away with, with a bill that actually they hadn't anticipated. Um, yeah. So, you know, adver- things like advertising uh, the cost of a funeral, but, but not mentioning the fact that there's probably as much, again, in disbursements to add on top. Indeed. Um, so I think honesty and clarity would be the two words that I would use there. Okay, that's that's nice. And actually, that's a nice segue into our last question because, you know, customer transparency and how we treat families. Um, as you know, regulations impacting every guest we've spoken to so far this year. So from the college's perspective, how will either the upcoming CMA or FCA regulation change or impact what you offer and what students are looking for? Um, I think the the upcoming regulation has spurred a lot of businesses to seriously consider staff training. Uh, there are a lot of people out there who probably haven't read the report. I mean, who the hell's got time? Uh, to be honest, you know, it would take a lifetime to read the, the whole thing. But I think people are genuinely assuming 
that staff training is going to be part of a regulated uh, industry. Mm. I'm not sure that the CMA have actually come out and said that. I wish they had. I've mm. For a long, long time, I've been banging the drum for both SAFE and the NAFD to make it a requirement for membership. Yeah. I think we have the right to call ourselves a profession unless we take training as CPD seriously. And I think our students are often much more switched on to the value of training than their employers are. Uh, they want to be seen as professionals and have the recognition of, of that a certificate brings mm-hmm. and, and post-nominals. Thank you. And, yeah, it's, I'd like that point actually around the employee themselves recognising the value uh, of what they've achieved and actually having that accreditation. And, and I sense, yes, in a regulated world that the bar is being raised. So the more you make sure your employees are treated the right way in terms of their development, the better the outcome for the family ultimately, which is what regulation is about. Absolutely. I think it makes you a better employer. I think, you know, you can invest in your premises, you can invest in your fleet. Why aren't you investing in your staff? Because quite frankly, there isn't anybody who can run a funeral home without the staff there to do the work. So, you know, they they need investment as well. And, you know, I'm in, in the past, it's not so much now because I think people are getting better. But but there was a time um, when um, I was somebody once said to me and it was it was an old guy. He was a lovely old guy, actually, but he wasn't very switched on. Um, uh, and I was talking to him about training his staff. And he said, oh, yeah, but, you know, if I spend all that money out on training uh, and they leave, you know, I've wasted all that money. And I said, well, if you spend all that money and they stay, what then? <laughs> <laughs> and he, I like that. he actually had no answer to that, but but I think that kind of sums it up. Yes, you can spend money training people, and then they might leave. But mm. in actual fact, you you've improved your business tenfold by having a, a well trained staff. And we have once a year we have a standardisation meeting, mm-hmm. so that all of our trainers and assessors get together at least once a year. Mm. Um, and, and look at what we're delivering and how we're delivering it and how we're assessing it and assuring that if somebody does a training course down in Kent, they will get exactly the same training as somebody who's doing that training in Aberdeen. So, so that we're, we're, we're providing a standard which is hopefully nationwide. That's good for the businesses. It's good for the consumer. It's good for the employer, employee. Right, Chris, thank you ever so much. And if there's one thing I picked up from that conversation, it's all about investing in your people at the end of the day. Uh, Really do appreciate your time today and uh, keep well over the next few days and months as you're out there delivering the training. Nice to see you, Chris. And to see you, Malcolm. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Partnership Podcast. You can learn more about the IFD College at ifdcollege.org. All of our episodes are available at goldencharter.buzzsprout.com and you can reach me at malcolm.flanders at goldencharter.co.uk if you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast. Thanks again for listening and I'll talk to you again on the Partnership Podcast. <laughs>